Welcome, fellow anglers, to the Working Class Fishing Podcast, a place for all anglers, amateur or expert, to share their stories and learn about fishing. Join your hosts, John and Brian, each episode as they debunk the perceived inaccessibility to fishing, break down the barriers of any and all angling methods, and hear stories from other anglers and their own journeys with fishing. Now, let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian, and here is John Morris with our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Working Class Fishing. This episode of Working Class Fishing is brought to you by CD Fishing USA, Anadromous Fly Company, Angry Rooster Fly Company, Mr. Cheer Cure and Naughty Tackle, Lidrig, and 317 Flies. Go check them out. Definitely go check out those sponsors. They got some fantastic stuff and uh, let them know that we sent you. That's the most important thing. Now, tonight we have our very special guest from the land down under. Uh, he has his own fly company. Uh, he, he sells uh, fly tying materials. He also has a podcast as well. You may have heard of him from the Intermediate Line podcast. And also uh, you might know him from Beast Brushes. We have Chris Adams on tonight from Queensland, Australia. So Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be here on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks, gentlemen. I'm stoked to be here. This is um, a real honor. You guys put out a great show. And as a fellow podcaster, I'm pumped to be a part of it. Um, but uh, you guys don't mind if I sort of abbreviate things down and just call you guys Bron for short instead of Brian and John, right? Sounds good. <laughs> that'll, that'll work for you guys. Yeah, yeah, we to keep things simple in Australia down here. <laughs> oh, that's 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 fine with me. Uh, doing the name combination thing, all that stuff. That's uh, all a part of the game, right? You know, uh, you gotta I, keep I thought Gian was probably a bit too exotic. You know, bronze probably better. Yeah, yeah. probably. It's very masculine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. You did well with the pronunciation of Queensland too. That, uh, oh, right? did, did I? I I, I was Nailed hoping it. so. Now, Kingsland is called now after the Queen died, I believe. Oh. <laughs> Are you guys still under control of the uh, monarchy? Yeah, I guess officially, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's see if old King Chuck comes down there to visit you again. <laughs> I think we need an island down here, I think, for uh, from what I hear, for the royals to show up anywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a poor Epstein joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's private <laughs> island yeah no. yeah 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 you can you can infuse uh u.s politics into uh british monarchy and uh you know uh, what, yeah, however man. you want to i'll do um, i'll do my best but um i can't yeah we'll see how it goes that could be pretty bad but we'll give it a crack that's all right <laughs> well hey chris, chris you, oh, oh go, go ahead, ahead all right no, well I, you know chris uh uh we've We've uh, we always ask a, a couple of questions and then it just kind of goes off into outer space and stuff. But uh, you know, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It is your summer right now, right? You are correct, there, Brian. It is hot as balls here right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are are you guys out fishing right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew every time we speak to um, um, guests from the U.S. on our show, I really struggle with the conversion. But I believe it's probably sitting around 
90 degrees Fahrenheit commonly now. Sometimes goes over 100, may very rarely go under 90. I'm guessing it's um, well for those who are listening to the to the metric. I suppose we're sort of sitting around 32, 35 sort yeah. of degrees and just humid as. Enough to yeah, make you say crikey. Yeah, it's pretty pretty warm. <laughs> crikey. Right. Uh, we don't say crikey or drink bosses here. Just give oh you the drum. <laughs> yeah, next thing you know, it's going to be that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for it. You, you Paul Hogan, you know, you'll, you'll just hold it up there, you know. I, uh, You know, uh, uh, here, hold on. hold on a second here. There, right? <laughs> the best I can do. Sorry, just some needle nose pliers. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've taken the taken the teeth out of crocodiles now. It's just much more you know safer these days. It's much more low. Oh, so you don't have to jump on them in the uh, the river and stab them through the head with a eighteen inch. No, nah. we we call it a buoy knife here. You know. Yeah, that's in America and, and and inconsiderate. You know. Yeah, yeah, poor crocodile <laughs> when it comes up to rip you into the river and yeah, do the death roll. Does don't yeah. even have the courtesy of a reach around you, just jump on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So Chris, what are you guys what are you guys oh, fishing for right now? Uh there's some seasonal fish, I guess, but um you know, I, I live near I've my developmental years with fly fishing always been around salt water. So I fish a lot of flats and, and things like that as well. We've got a really good blue water um, section around us, which I know blows a lot of people away who aren't aware of it, but we've got, you know, great size tuna, um, trailer boat distance offshore. You know, you can get out there in a 13 foot boat quite easily and be fishing for massive schools of tuna. They're starting to show up now. Um, you know, I've been, you know, on my social media recently, I've been hitting a fish called Saratoga, which is like a, a freshwater native, quite a, um, Similar to sort of an, um, an arapaima, I guess, or an arowana, I suppose, but endemic to Australia. Um, those fish and another fish, barramundi, I guess, um, a pretty iconic Australian fish as well. Um, you know, you could probably liken some of those to some of the species you guys have got. I'm pretty, pretty up with what you guys fish for as well. Uh, you know, just through uh, observing the techniques for fly fishing and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, we can make comparisons if you like, but that's what I'm basically fishing for at the moment. It just changes throughout the year, I suppose. Spring, spring's leading up to flats time, flats fishing in salt water, really. This time of year in summer, freshwater natives, that's when they start to really cook, get real dumb. So do you guys have like a lot of resident or, uh, I, let me let me start that over. So tarpon, do you guys have resident tarpon where you are? Yeah, or? we got tarpon, but not like you guys. We got, we got an Indo-Pacific tarpon and it might get to, again, I'm going to, Fuck out with the mate with the um with the metrics here with um the conversion I should say but you know, a big one a huge one would be about eighty centimeters 70, 70 to eighty centimeters I really don't know what that'd be I really should have a converter open for this conversation that's like I, six so. that's like sixty inches I think no well I think a meter's forty five inches let me do it okay. hang on yeah. um it's probably it's probably worth the time to get this organized given the conversations we're going to be talking about I suppose. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well well there's 2.5 uh 2.54 centimeters per inch so uh if you if you were to do the conversion on that um 29 inches it is 
that's that's about as big as oh, that's a that's a huge one. They might get a little bit bigger than that, but um, but commonly they're probably more often fifteen inches. You know, so they're they're four weight, three weight sort of fish for us, just micro tarpon. That and sounds not, like a lot of fun. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, they're heaps of fun. You can't take in the way from them. They, they go pretty hard, but they're just, if you fish for them appropriately with light rods, they're fun as. Um, you find them in pretty similar situations as well. Like you'll find them in lock lagoons on golf courses and stuff like that, but also offshore on wrecks and stuff. But they're too small to be sea cruising up the flat like some of the Atlantic ones that look like a fucking dolphin, you know? <laughs> Big old slab of a herring. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys actually fly fish for the, the tuna, like go out offshore and then and, and fly fish for the tuna? Oh, yeah. Yep. The massive part of my developmental years was tuna fishing on fly. I've, I've never even caught one on conventional gear. Um, it's always been on fly. There's tournaments and stuff like that that compete in. And it's all, yeah, it's a big, it's a very big part. It teaches you a lot, you know. I would liken tuna fishing for where I live to be if you, uh, you know, if you jumped on a trampoline, you know, up, up and down, you got someone to spray in the face with a hose while you're trying to cast 90 to 100 feet, that'd be tuna fishing on a boat. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah uh, um, but, uh, what kind of, what species tuna are you? Yellowfin, bluefin, albacore? Yeah, we, we get, uh, we get yellowfin here. We've got a species, the, the most, the more desirable and the more, uh, I should say the more desirably common species, I should say, is called longtail tuna. Um, I used to think that they were similar to black tuna, what you guys get over there, but I've been told they're not. They're very similar to look at. Um, they probably get to around, a good one would be maybe 40, 45 pound, I guess. That's, that's not that unheard of, you know, but uh, it's 10 weight material. Um, but we also get what you guys call false, false albacore, which we call mac tuna. And they're, they're kind of vermin for us. We, we don't, I mean, we'll catch them. I know how stupidly elitist this sounds to people who love our, our albies. You know, I get that. They're, they're a great species. They pull really hard. But they're just not as challenging as, say, long-tail tuna. Long-tail tuna we'll find on the flats in, like, waist-deep water, like in pods of one or two. And they're smart fish to cast that. Or they'll be in the deep water and they'll be just a single fish cruise and you can still sight fish and pick them off, whereas false albacore or mac tuna as we call them, they'll be more of a schooling fish and be more of a mosh pit, I guess. They can be challenging as far as, you know, the detail for the fly you choose, even the size you're not, or in the leader. Um, they can be pretty spooky and they can be fucking frustrating. You can burn a lot of fuel chasing them, but they're not, they're not long tail. They're not, I mean, they're not, they're not found in those situations, you know. They're, um, to my, my opinion, finding a, a long tail tuna in about waist deep, chest deep water, and feeding that thing like a, a an eight inch flat wing is just fucking great. I love it. That sounds like fun, man. Yeah, because uh, uh, I've only fished for tuna uh, conventionally. That's it. So yeah, I haven't I haven't fished for tuna <laughs> uh, uh, on the fly ever. But we have to go sixty to eighty miles offshore to get to where our tuna grounds are. So so a lot yeah. further, a lot longer run out, and the the ocean's a lot rougher up here. We, we can catch them off the beach. Like, I mean, I, I've never done I'd much prefer to be in a boat because if you're on the beach, it's just harder to, to, to chase them. But, um, you know, like that, there's a movie. I can't remember who put it out. They're running down the man, the rooster fish vid. Have you guys seen that? Uh-uh. No. Oh, check it out. If you guys haven't seen it or your listeners haven't seen it, I'd highly advise. It's old school. Um, it's not a very long vid. I can't remember who put the fucking thing out. But 
Um, it's in Baja, and this dude's just running down the beach just chasing rooster fish, and it's cool as hell. Um, but you could do that with tuna as well. But uh, no, I don't. I, I chase them from a boat, but same sort of depth water. To give you an idea. Man. So do you – are rooster fish, is that like a fish that well, – well, shit, dude. Oh, hold on. We're talking a lot about fish. I know it's a fishing podcast. But, Chris, Still good. how – yeah. How did you get into fishing? Oh man, um, probably like a, I mean, a lot of people, you know, like uh, family. Uh, my my fam, my mother's side is a uh, family of commercial fishermen. Um, it sort of stopped with me and my brother, but um, um, so like I was always getting taken fishing from a really young age from my my grandfather and my and his uncle, his brother, my grand uncle, I guess you could say, and their family. Um, you know, that evolved into uh, just, you know, walking creeks for our bass and things like that. And eventually just fishing artificials by maybe, I don't know, 10 years old, nine, 10 years old, started to fish lures, some bait. Then, um, you yeah, know, that probably, that probably kept going until I was probably in my late teens and then fly fishing ever since. And I'm nearly 50 now. So what, God damn it! what was that draw to fly fishing? That's a good question. Um, we've got a species over here called brim, and uh, people love to hack on brim fishermen, and they love to hack on uh, trout fishermen because it's a it's a small species. It's a it's a we consider a rat with fins. They just live everywhere in all urban environments. They're saltwater fish, but they're smart. You know, they'll get to maybe uh, a pound in thirty years. You know, they've, they've seen a lot of shit, um, and um, by targeting with artificials. The most effective way is to just go lighter and lighter and the more, more finesse you could get. And it was just that path, I guess, that took me to that. Um, from there, you know, like I got, that's when I got introduced to tuna. I had no interest in catching tuna before I picked up a fly rod because I started to learn that the effectiveness of catching tuna on flies in, you know, them focused on little tiny shit like this that you just couldn't cast on a conventional rod. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it was the finesse, I suppose, of it. Now, you know, which is, which is not, I still get involved with the finesse side of fishing with saltwater. Uh, definitely not so much. I'd much rather see a big fly hanging out of a fish if I can than a, than a small one. <laughs> These Hell days. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so you've, some- you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of fly patterns um, that you developed and curated, right? So yeah. the one I'm the most familiar with is your slow water game changer, dude. Yep. And I've got to say, we so we had um, Ryan McFall on, and yep. he does such a beautiful job of tying your pattern. And yep. I've, just, I've got to say to you, that, that fly is fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's impressive. Um, there's so much history behind that, that fly, though, like leading up to what you see now, different versions. Uh, what do you want to know about it? Well, fucking anything you want to share about it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've got um yeah, look, it's it's interesting, man. That that so I got into game changers out of necessity, I suppose. And um you know, I was aware of game changers, I suppose, back when um Flyman did a promo video back in like something like two thousand seven, two thousand six. My understanding was that was that uh yeah, um the pattern's been around since the 60s called a linked minnow, I believe. And I know that Blaine's popularized it and started popularizing it maybe around 2000s. But for me, 
uh, it went by the wayside. It wasn't sort of something you saw often in Australia. Um, and I got into it in maybe about 2014, just through a species of fish called a dewfish that I was finding very hard to catch on fly. They're notoriously hard fish to catch. We call them ghosts, ghosts of the estuaries here. They're just, they're, um, they're a big fish, but they're just hard to pin. They're similar to um, uh, redfish, I suppose, but very different characteristics of where they live. Anyway, I needed a very realistic fly, very bait fishy type of fly. And I started to get into those things. And, um, and from there, I sort of rekindled my interest in seeing what, what Blaine was doing. But um, this is where I guess the story relates to this, the um, slow water is that my requirements of that fly or my desire of that fly was always more about timber, timber swim baits, like conventional swim baits. I really wanted to model off that. And I noticed that, um, you know, it wasn't really getting that direction from anyone else anywhere i suppose so after a, a pile of what i like to call the shit sandwiches of like hours and hours of time flies and stuff like that eventually i got it and maybe about 2015 got that nice swim bait action but i found it hard to replicate i didn't know how it happened um so i i'm a tradesman like most of my life and learning about things called hydrodynamics and specific gravities of materials and buoyancies and shit was just bashed into me with by trying to achieve that action and just from after making mistake after mistake after mistake uh there's probably a lot in between there but fast forward to what you see now with the uh with the foam tabs in there the um the action is is paramount the action is what i'm trying to achieve and um the the only way i could achieve that action of that tail wagon side to side was through a trimmed trimmed game changer i couldn't have that um uh, conical shape if you want like even all the way around like that's what i first started to work on was drag uh so the dragon materials if i could trim the game changer i could without the foam towers before the slow water came around if i could trim the game changer i could control where the fly would create drag in the water and therefore that would you know um show itself through the action i guess i guess the principle is of the fly takes the path of least resistance through the water is what i was sort of capitalizing on there a bit a lot i should say um from there you know, I started to work with materials that offered um, buoyancy in themselves. But when you put them on the terminals or in the wire, when you're making brushes and stuff, you know, they would still sink, but they would just sink slower. So if you imagine a, um, imagine, imagine a game changer was tied out of nothing but steel, right? A beautiful articulation. You could hold it up to the camera and wiggle it from side to side and almost touch itself end to end. But if you chuck that thing in the water, you would have to rip that thing so fast before it started to get action. You know, that, um, um, that I realized that that buoyancy would create the action I wanted at a much slower speeds. Um, and that's sort of the direction I started to go. And then, um, then you know, obviously we were, we were already keeling the flies with putting weights on the bend of the hook. So I, essentially I, I got that buoyancy and that keeling of every single shank through there by adding the foam tabs to it, which I started off doing concealing under the brush. But, um, but eventually that 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 didn't enable me to tune it by putting the tabs in i could increase or decrease the length and i could make a fly either like sink level sink head first float or suspend as, as we well, can't really make a fly suspend because um it doesn't have a bib but um but yeah i could tune it essentially so i can fish a slow water game changer on a fast sink line i can make that thing sink level at six inches per second like a type 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 six line or i can make it float on the water like a wake bait but essentially I've just created a little, little swim bait, essentially. Yeah. I mean, the swim bait thing has been done for years. You know, I've just 
made into a fly, I suppose. And yeah, Ryan does it really well. Ryan's been a, um, I, I guess you could say a student of that for a long time. Like he's reached out to me a lot. He's um, bought my video off um, Beast Brushes, um, shameless plug there. But in that video, I go through everything, like the, um, the hydrodynamics of it, like talking about the uh, material selection, why the drag, all that sort of stuff. And then so you can learn how it's made, so you can adapt these things to different lengths and fishing different parts of the water column. I could keep nerding out on it if you like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's essentially no, it. Dude, that's, that's, that's badass. I, I think some of the greatest, so, some of the most, I don't know, some of the most appreciated ingenuity by myself is when it's out of necessity. You know, you, you wanted to catch those dew fish. And is it dew or is it like dew? Uh, so dew is in like jewel. They got, they got their oleus, like the ear bones. They're, they're quite pearlescent and they, they call them jewels. So they just call it a dew fish, I guess you could say. as short instead of jewel fish. Jewel fish has been taken. It's a deep sea fish. But um, also called a mulloway, uh, depending on what part of Australia, Australia you are from. I'd be careful enunciating that really in australia we just get australia so uh i'll take i'll take more time to pronounce australia from now on no 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 go ahead uh, we we have to keep this uh uh, uh multicultural and authentic i believe that's also called woke as fuck right yeah 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 right right <laughs> now yeah, now cool. it, with, with within the constraints of multiculturalism Wokeism is a totally different subject. We won't dive into that. This is a, a fishing podcast, but um, yeah, yes. uh, multiculturalism. We celebrate all cultures, all all different walks of life. And if, if you talk the way you talk, that's what that you talk that way, and and nobody should hold that against you. So if if we have <laughs> Americans that are listening to this, they're like, he didn't say that right. It's supposed to be Australia. It, well, you know, this is <laughs> this is a part of uh, dialects and uh, the English language. So deal with it. Well. So, I I can give you a lesson. If you think of it spelled S-T-R-A-Y-L-I-A-L-I-A, Australia, that's how we say it over here. No one pronounces the A, U. It's Australia. That's if you're ever hanging out in Australia and you want to talk about Australia, just call it Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, so what crime did your grandfather... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a loaf of bread, dude. I'm pretty sure <laughs> on the mean streets of London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he did, he got the fuck out of Dodge there, man. And that's, um, I'd much rather be in Australia than, than England right now, man. I'd much rather have tuna on the flats than muddy Thames or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, not that I'm knocking England, great country, but, uh, the fishing isn't as good as Australia. Exactly. So now, are, are you just fishing predominantly in, in Queensland or are, do you go down to like Tasmania or um, uh, let's see, uh, I, I don't know all of the states, but do you fish up and down the East Coast there, basically New South Wales, all that? Yeah, uh, I have. Um, I don't really have much desire to go to go south, which is our colder being on the flip side down here. Mm -hmm. Um like I said earlier, like my developmental years in fly fishing was and, and fishing is tropical salt water. Um, so my, my goals, I guess, stem from, yeah, my upbringing, I suppose. I always want to just do better within that sort of side of things. I can't really appeal to trout. <clears throat> um, really, that's where the trout are, a bit, bit further south in the colder climates. 
I mean, I'm in the natives. I'm not, I'm not into introduced species, really. I mean, they're cool. They're fun, I guess. I like carp as well, which introduced as well. But uh, for me, I just, my heart's in it with the natives. Um, and in that circumstance, I would offer that caveat and what you said there in that I will go south to fish for Murray Cod. Not, not as often as I'd like to. Very cool fish. But um, look, if you tethered a, um, a rope around a Murray Cod and the tail of a barramundi equal size, Man, that barramundi's got that caught up on the plane every day of the week. It's, um, yeah, and look, there's going to be people that are going to dispute that, but I would wager that you won't see them holding a picture of a barramundi. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's the interesting part is, uh, you know, saltwater fish are a totally different animal. It doesn't matter where you go in the world. They're, they're meaner, they're faster, they're, they're definitely highly predatory. And I think it's the ocean is a dog eat dog ecosystem. There's nothing more. For to sure. It. For know, sure. That's I, what it is. Yeah. I, I should add, in case you're saying that for, for this reason, that the barramundi are a freshwater fish as well. Like they'll, um, they'll happily live their whole life in freshwater. Same with the Murray cod, I guess you could say. Freshwater, uh, barramundi, Australian bass, those two species have got to find salt water to breed. They've got to find a certain parts per million of, of um, salt to to breed essentially so like barramundi live in both so both. they're 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 an anadromous species then which means that well they don't go out to salt grow and then return to fresh water to spawn they go and they'll go into fresh water and then go out to salt water to spawn yeah so they're all born male um and then they turn female at a certain size and then they uh and that's when they'll go out to salt water there's plenty of lakes in australia that that stock barramundi in them those fish haven't got the ability to go out to salt water. So they've got a desire to go over the wall. Every time it floods, they'll go every chance they get. But in most circumstances, they'll, they'll be afforded the opportunity to grow to, well, I'm going to have to get my um, Google Aider out to, to do the conversion again, if you just stay with me. Um, yeah, just stick commonly, with metric. Oh, I'll do it, man. Com a meter's 39 inches. So commonly, you know, around that, but, um, but trophy size, 53 inches, um, 53 inch fish. It would be an 80 pound fish, easy. I reckon. Wow, that's a big, that's a big fish. fish. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they're big. they're big, man. They they um they are they're strong. They're big. They're fast. And um, look, I mean, if you want to eat them, they they taste good from the salt. When they're in the fresh, they taste like a handful of mud and weed. So they're more <laughs> of a catch and release species in the lakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you can you can do all sorts of shit like soak them in vinegar and milk and do all that stupid stuff, but I'd rather go buy a steak. To be honest with you. Yeah. By the time you're done buying all the vinegar and the uh, milk that yeah. you need to soak, uh, you know, uh, people do that with ducks. You know, uh, they, they duck out and they well, it tastes too gamey, so they soak it in vinegar and milk to try to get the gamey taste out. I just rather smoke the thing. You know, I mean, that's that's yeah. my thought on it. But yeah, you know, to each their own. Everybody's got their own palate, I guess. But uh, you know, that's a, that's really interesting. I mean, that's like Jurassic park shit, you know, life finds its way. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, and we've got a lot of lakes in Australia, in Australia, <laughs> nearly said Australia then, um, we got a lot of lakes here and they, the, the people who manage the fisheries and games say like, um, well, you guys got, you know, um, you know, like your wildlife officers and stuff like that, the fisheries here, they'll, they'll stock these lakes because they've been interrupted the natural flow of the migration of these anadromous species. 
So with, with that big giant concrete wall in the way, they don't get to the areas where they would normally breed. So they stock them. Um, the flow of them going over is a natural part of, well, it's part of the intention anyway, but it's a natural part of the flow. And either I bet um, you do get a lot of fishermen that suck and go, look, you should go on over the wall. But it's um, just part of the deal, really. That's that's a huge fish, dude. Mm. And yeah. you said it, and you said it tastes like shit in freshwater. So is that like, do you think that helps out in the catch and release aspect of of that fish? Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In in um in the salt, they're netted voraciously. Like commercial netters take tons of them, tons and tons of them, uh, which is which is just fucking criminal in itself, really. But um. Yeah, they're very desirable. They fetch a lot of money uh, per kilo or per pound, if you want, at uh, the fish shops. Damn. Yeah. Mm, it's real sad. It is. That's a, that's a fucking shame. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. So the netters, go ahead. I was going to say, like, uh, many of your listeners who, who listen to who do saltwater probably aren't aware that uh, – I don't want to get political or dark on it and stuff like that, but I mean, the, the, the stupidness of, of the netting, like we get tons of permit, like in my local area, which is a world heritage listed area. Um, the pros since April last year have taken something like nine ton of permit, nine metric ton of permit. It's just, it's crazy. It really is. It's um, there's no, the management, the fisheries manager you guys have got in the U S is enviable for us over here. That's for sure. The things like the bonefish tarpon tarpon trust, um, what those guys do for stuff and work in the keys, water clarity, water clarity and education and um, sustainability is 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 enviable. Like I said, um, but yeah, the the commercial netting over here is pretty pretty nuts, really. Holy shit, man! Mm. That's well. First off, completely unaware that was a thing. You know, that's that is um boggled i'm fucking flabbergasted i guess like, yeah that's, well, that's that's fucking insane dude yeah these areas like they're so um unbelievable for fishing like um, i don't know if you guys have seen the media we've got really close to where i live like only an hour from where i live i could go catch marlin in waste deep water black marlin will get up and you'll catch free swimming marlin on fly um up in there and these areas get absolutely pounded by commercial commercial netters it's it's crazy the shark population out hand and that's going around the world you hear it everywhere but um yeah it's a dark path that one but uh yeah it's just i guess it's just to get people aware it's not shooting fish in a barrel over here either like most places i suppose yeah yeah and, that, and that's a section of the uh, great barrier reef right that's that's what you're you know kind of your your fishing zone no no that those marlin are um are much further south than where the great barrier reef ends Okay. Marlin, Marlin will go into some pretty cold water. Um, we're sort of part of their migration here. We're still warm water, well and truly. Um, but they'll um, they'll go much further south. But just that that section there, it's a place called Fraser Island. The uh, town's called Harvey Bay. It's um, it's a bit of a freak scenario, really. There are other places in Australia that aren't as populated that that happens. I've no doubt in my mind. But this particular place just gets ass bundles of juvenile black marlin up in the flats up there that, that are just brave as anything they don't they just don't care they're just so so brave it's just a it's a fun fishery that's for sure and sounds like fun i i couldn't imagine just being out there waist deep and and throwing flies at marlin like 
there again, that's another species that what I'm used to is, is that you have to go the distance offshore and start looking for bait fish schools. And then, and then like, that's, that's where you're going to find them. And then it's like gear ripping out everywhere and you're running it. Like, I don't, I, I don't even know what a troll speed is for Marlin. I'm sure it's the same speed or faster than tuna, you know, uh, but probably it's just... probably a bit, bit, uh, probably a bit slower than tuna really, but tuna mackerel and stuff like that. They're much faster. They're like around six knots. So you're trolling skirts and stuff. You still switch bait them where, where that happens. Um, depends on how patient you are to sort of stake out the flats for a, a free swimmer, but you wouldn't have to wait long, but yeah, switch baiting and trolling teas and stuff is sort of, I don't know, about four, three, four or five knots, I suppose you could say. Wow. That's a pretty fast troll speed, but still, uh, so cool. I mean, the fisheries that you guys have are just incredible. Like for you, that that's just what you have. But for us, it's like this really unique, uh, ecosystem of a lot of different species of fish and um, you know, given the fact that, that your country has a, a significantly lower population. Um, and, and I know that there's probably still quite a few anglers out there. Um, uh, you, have you guys seen a, a sharp increase in, in angling or is it stay, is it kind of a steady rise or, uh, do you, is it going down? No, you're, you're right, man. It's, uh, no, it's, um, it's definitely an incline. I think social media is, um, has really seen an influx of fishing. You know, a lot of people don't have to hunt now. They can be shown, you know, the, uh, the ability to, to be, be at location X and use bait Y is um, pretty easy to do, you know, these days. So a lot of people like to share it for whatever reason, whatever, whatever motivation they got. I think, um, you know, I've been talking about this with some friends of mine, you know, like uh, that I've grown up with, the ability to read water, it's not lost. I'll put it that way, but I mean, I'll preface what I'm about to say by saying that there's, I, I can appreciate the skills that have come out in the newer generation, if you like, in that their ability to pick apart social media is the path of, of least resistance for their information sourcing, as opposed to spending weeks on the water. I mean, like September only comes around once a year. So what you learn in September is going to be different to what you learn in May and you've got a full 12 months to learn it again. But um, with social media, you've got all these people fish in September and you can learn from a, from hundreds of people for what their experiences. And you simply have to ask them and they can, they'll tell you a lot of the time what they've done and what they've, what they've, um, what they've failed at, what they've succeeded at. And for that reason, I think it's got a lot more people out in the water. Um, you know, some of the species that are, have been quite uh, challenging. Like you take permit, for example, now permit used to be one of those fish that, that were, people didn't consider them to eat thought they thought they ate through osmosis now the chances are that if you see a permit you'll catch it you know through through fly development shared fly development um shared knowledge of where to look for them tides things like that um you know some of these fish that are just being completely demystified and i think that's enabling people to get out in the water and you're right there's a massive spike in in a lot of people i don't fish weekends anymore let's put it that way i, I fucking hate people in that respect <laughs> i hate seeing people out in the water i really um would rather just experience it without seeing anyone there. So, yeah. you know, we evolved like that, I suppose, as far as what you put up on social media, a lot of my photos are photoshopped to, to, um, to hide backgrounds, sadly. Um, you know, you put the yards in, you find something unique, but people are so good at picking things apart on social media that um, you kind of got to, it's the only way you can protect the place really, or not post at all. But uh, you know, I have, I have a full-time job that, you know, really heavily relies on social media. So I, I kind of um, 
got to show results to sell. So, Chris, what is that shop, dude? That shop, I'm glad you asked there, John. That shop is um, Beast Brushes, found at uh, beastbrushes.com. And we, and we ship worldwide everywhere. Beg pardon? I said, for all your fly tying needs, beastbrushes.com. <laughs> <laughs> I might get you to lay that down on a track for me, man, and we might uh, play it on our show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I go. Mm. I need to go smoke like a half a pack of camel menthols though, and get you know get the real deep voice like I'm trying to sell you a Ford truck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. try to do the Sam Elliott. Yeah, <laughs> the Bill yeah. McNeil. Yeah. Of course. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah uh, so when did you start Beast Brushes? When did that all start? Uh, that get, getting back to the game changer evolution, I suppose. In that respect, I came across um. A friend of mine who I didn't know real well, um, and that dude, his name's Marty, and he just liked to make brushes, man. He just that was his thing. He wasn't on social media; he was just into making brushes and the technical aspect of it. And um, so I was still called Ammo Flies then. I was still full time commercial fly tying while he was making brushes, and we were testing them and getting them right just for game changes. That's all we were doing; just nothing but building them for game changes. Um, and eventually, it became a bit more of a um, a juggernaut than, than Marty expected or even I expected really and he got he's a carpenter by trade still is and um, had to make a decision essentially to pick a safe trade or take a punt on um, brushes and I was already balls deep in the in you know commercially fly tying so I took it over and then I started I make all the brushes now so I make everything here I make I process all the bucktail uh, make all the brushes God, man, like that pretty much takes up a lot of my day, processing bucktail and making brushes. Really? I don't have time to tie flies anymore, that's for sure. Man, that's that's so uh, – it's cool, though, because you're, you're, you know, a professional in the industry now. You know, you went from, you know, angler to uh, fly tire to now, you know, running a, a materials company and, and as a professional. That's super cool. It's like you have a very good – background and solid foundation yeah that's sort of been um look man I'm, I'm not good at the politics of this fucking industry <laughs> i'm really not and um so you know like I, I like to try and offer um shit that's real i don't offer everything in the shop it's not a, it's not a shop that caters for everything i just sort of stick to my lane and the things that i know intimately and know well um given the opportunity to explain like as without sound like a, an ad i apologize if it does but given the opportunity to explain why I grade my bucktail like I do, or the brushes, the range of brushes is, is there, why is, or why it's an advantage over uh, someone else. I can explain it all day long, but, um, but also I can show it catching fish because at the end of the day, that's just been my mantra and my angle with, with my every business of mine is just, I don't tie trout flies. I don't tie Atlantic tarpon flies. I don't tie anything outside of my lane, anything I don't know well. I'm into the fishing. I'm into the fishing primarily and everything flow charts down from there you know hell yeah yeah Dude. yeah so yeah i was just gonna say so i mean that's really fucking awesome <laughs> but so i'm not gonna lie you were talking about toga earlier yeah right and the first time i heard you on your podcast which is the intermediate line everybody uh go check them out and um first time i heard you say it i was like what the fuck is he talking about 
and and mm. and then then you sure shit the next day you posted a picture of it i was like ah dude those fish look gnarly i want to catch one yeah they're cool as hell man i, I love that fish yeah it's um yeah so toga abbreviation for saratoga um which i believe is a native native american word uh meaning gentle stream and good hunting or something like that i'm pretty sure it is can't you know people would google it if they want to but anyway um <laughs> yeah it's a it's a real prehistoric fish that's for sure that one and it's just awesome for fly fishing that thing those things they just they jump they carry they look like a little mini tarpon as far as what they do the way they eat the way they stick their nose up underneath the fly they, they eat tarpon flies like toads and bunnies and things like that as well um but yeah they eat they jump they're not they're not I fish them for them with six weights and I might get to, excuse me, I'll just um, get my converter out. My, big, my biggest I've caught is 36 inches with one of them. and um, But I know they'll get to uh, 44 inches. I know it's the largest one I've ever heard of getting collected in a fishery sample net. But uh, yeah, no, they're pretty cool. They're, they're a fun animal. Very toothy. They're very, very bony mouths they've got a massive rows of teeth they got teeth all over their tongue and they're very similar like they look like they remind me of a bowfin actually they yeah they really do they the very very strong resemblance i mean it's like this almost eel-like tail you know it's yeah. very very similar to a bowfin like if you mixed a bowfin like no shit a bowfin and an arapaima together like or an arowana like you said that that's it dude like that's a gnarly fucking fish. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 um, Arapaima is probably, I, I'd like to think it's probably more similar to Arapaima than an Arowana in that Arowana just seem to be real thin and, um, no less of a sports fish for sure, you know, like, uh, but just, um, physical comparison, I guess. Um, and the bowfin's quite solid as well, you know, like the Saratoga or this one, this southern one, um, it's quite a robust fish, it's quite a strong strong animal that's for sure it's fun they're a fun fish very small part of australia too like uh you probably heard us say on the show there that you could drive its natural range in a car by lunchtime such a small area of australia such a uh, a unique ancient fish that's um yeah very just a very small part of the world so they're native but do people like do people fucking think of them like a rough fish or a trash fish? No, they're they're pretty revered, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, in saying that, there probably should be a close season for them, but there's not. They're mouth breeders, so they um so they're susceptible to fishing during their breeding times. Um, I don't know why they don't get looked after more. I really don't. It's frustrating, really, to see. Um, I just think that because they're in such a small area. Uh, and a lot of them are, are, are stocked into lakes outside of their endemic um, range. So they just don't get they don't get the attention they deserve. But essentially, they're they're a um, they are a revered sports fish in Australia. That's for sure. Well, dude, that's that's great. Like, I hate I hate seeing native fish be fucking mistreated because of people are ignorant. Yeah, man. I mean, in, in Australia, we got close season for trout and they're introduced and they're, they're the most aggressive predatory fish going. They've wiped out a heap of native species that aren't desirable to anglers, so they're overlooked, you know. And it's, um, 
it's a real shame and it's really dangerous in my opinion to uh for all those groups that are looking to shut fishing down you know to not to not sort of show the same interest in in natives as they do in trout at least no and that's, just that's the whole, off to get out. that's the whole bullshit dude I, don't get me wrong i like fishing trout but that's the whole bullshit with trout dude is like people love trout because they're pretty and they eat dry flies and everyone associates fly fishing with trout and then and it's it's kind of it's bullshit dude because everyone looks after these fish but we have so many other fish that actually need looking after mm. you know mm. it's like like people like fuck i'm a little i guess i'm a little hot now but you know like alligator <laughs> gar right alligator gar were fucking almost endangered from bow fishing and they're native there's some mm. there's a they're the largest boned north american fish that we have and they're ancient they're fucking dinosaurs dude it mm. takes them it takes them like 50 or 60 years to grow to these massive sizes you got to think like that fish is sitting at the top of the food chain for x amount of years and then you know fuck nuts mcgee and his mullet and his flat bill cap goes out there with a fucking bow and arrow and kills it because it's mm. legal and it's like what the mm. fuck is going on dude but then you've got people like oh you can't fish trout if it's above 70 degree water like is that really the problem is mm. no 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 it's not but anyway yeah. I'll, get, I'll get off that fucking soapbox yeah no i i agree i have i have a problem with with the um giving preference to a species that might impact an endemic species just for sport you know with with in regards to trout at least in australia anyway um i just think it's so dangerous man with all the with all the greenie groups looking to ban catch and release like it's just i don't know why they i mean i'm probably giving them if they listen to this i'm probably giving them fodder you know in a, in a direction but i mean i don't know why they haven't latched onto that one i really do it's just it's just a sitting duck in my opinion yeah you know but anyway it's uh, it's such an old industry i mean it's yeah, I've heard that I've heard stories of them plane dropping trout in places like Papua New Guinea, you know, and in the highlands in the lakes, just dropping fingerlings out of planes, you know, just to stock the area because the um, the colonialists want something to do, you know, and uh, I just think that's kind of bullshit, really. Yeah, <laughs> we 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 stock mountain lakes with trout uh, via helicopter and all kinds of stuff, but. They're here, you know, they, they're, they're not putting any non-native species in these mountain lakes. They'll be, you know, yeah. uh, cutthroat or um, you know, rainbows, whatever. Um, so the, it, we have we have some people uh, in, in, you know, the U.S. that want to get rid of anything to do with interaction with animals. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really, it, it, it's crazy enough that it won't fly right now, but if you if if politically you're able to go attack the most susceptible population which are the children then uh you're able to mold their mind into thinking that this is something that's brutal and heinous and and horrible and all that and it what it really comes back around to is is that us as the anglers or hunters or or uh outdoors people in all aspects we need to be ready to take these kids and actually show them that, no, it's okay. We've been doing this a long time and, and things aren't being hurt and killed unless we're harvesting and 
if we do that, we we're responsible for taking care of that, uh, that fish or that animal that we harvest. But we're not doing this just to uh, cold bloodedly murder uh, another living creature. We have a purpose for harvesting animals. Humans are the top of the food chain. There's places in the world that, yeah, you may not be at the top at that point in time, but these uh, thumbs here, they, they, they've made us uh, very deadly uh, um, animals. And so, um, and, and our, our capacity, uh, we're, we are the apex predator of earth. We can do whatever yeah. we want. Like, yeah, we might have a great white grab one guy and drag him under surfing. Uh, but then we can send out a fleet of boats with harpoons and, and everything else and go decimate a population. It happened. That's the, mm. that's the whole thing. It's like, you got us once. Now we're going to get you back uh, or whales or uh, sea lions or otters, or, you know, pick whatever you want. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, we, we have the ability to decimate things, but we also have the ability to control and the ability to show people, you know, look, that, yeah. you know, that's, that's the whole thing. Some people will not have their mind changed and that's fine. People can have their own opinions. It's an opinion. It's neither right or wrong our opinion on fishing is neither right or wrong. It's an opinion. That's, that's what it is. But when, when it turns into, I'm going to take this away from this group of people because I don't like it. That's when it becomes a problem. Instead, instead of minding your own business and doing your own thing, you don't have to go fishing. You don't have to go hunting. You don't have to go out and hike through the wilderness or uh, ATV, you know, ride, ride ATVs. You can stay in your condominium and hate, you know, hunters and anglers and all that. But for you to have the audacity to think that you can take that stuff away. We've, we've went through centuries of warfare because of things like that. Mm. You, you should probably be a little more mindful and just know that that's not how you're going to win hearts and minds. I totally agree. It's uh, we, you know, like you said, it's um, as apex predators, we've got the ability to, to, to manage as well as uh, and, um, and learn from our mistakes as well, you know. I think, um, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a, so, some people that are, are controlling a dangerous narrative at the moment, 100%. Uh, I mean, we got it here too, man. Particularly after all the COVID bullshit with everyone getting outside a lot more. It just seems to be, it's, 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 it's interesting times, that's for sure. You guys, um, brown trout are endemic to the US, aren't they, though? No, they, no. they were introduced here. They're, yeah, oh, they, were, the, they were introduced. Rainbows. Yeah, they were they were brought right. in uh, the late 1800s, like 87 or some shit like that. They were stocked in the Pier Marquette in Michigan and one other mm-hmm. place I can't ever remember. Um, I think it was actually the PM first and then they were moved to like California or some shit like that. But mm-hmm. they were brought here from Germany and I forget where the other strains from. But uh yeah they were brought here and they're they're wild now but they're not native yeah yeah i understand yeah, yeah I, I guess you know perhaps the ecosystems some ecosystems are probably more suited to introducing salmonoids than than others um you know yeah i mean yeah it's a slippery slope it really is but um yeah i just think sometimes old management styles are a bit aggressive let's just put it that way and it's um it's probably going to hurt us as fishermen and hunters, potentially. That's all I worry about. Yeah, well, uh, as you know, uh, living in a uh, 
you know, something that was colonized by Europeans. Mm. Uh, same, same with America, uh, you know, North America. Uh, one of the biggest things that came to both of our countries that, that has, it's become a popular sport fish, but it was never meant to be here is carp. Carp yeah. can thrive anywhere. They can thrive in a hundred degree mud puddle. That doesn't mm. matter. They're, they're just very adaptable. They were a food source in Europe. Now nobody touches them. Uh, but they're held in high reverence in Europe. You know, they're, that, that is their, their golden species, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we have them here in the U.S. And what, what Europeans don't understand about these fish is that they do untold damage to stream beds and to lakes where there were native species. Like you could be in John's area in Texas and have beautiful largemouth and spotted bass and, and uh, stripers and all that stuff, all those bass species that are uh, native to his region displaced by common carp. We have yeah. a problem with them getting into our main rivers and impeding migratory fish. And so it's always one of those things that the Europeans hate about Americans is, is I, I don't like bow fishing because once you shoot the fish, you can't take it back, right? It, it's dead. It's one and done. I don't like that except for carp. Carp, yeah. I think if you want to go bow fish, go thump carp with a bow. There's tons of them. They're not native. They're not an alligator gar. They're not a long nose gar. They're not a, a paddle fish. They're not, a, you know, something else. They're not native here. And even for the people that want to feed them corn flies and bread flies and do all this other stuff and catch carp on the fly, you're not going to run out of them because they are highly successful and you're not going to get all of them. But when people talk about bow fishing, I was just going back to what John was saying. Don't go bow fish a native species. Go shoot right. a damn introduced species. I mean, fuck, like even, you know, like here, like the buffalo are native fish. Yeah. You know, like those need to be protected too. Dude, they, they did damn work. And right. And this is, you know, hearsay, like rumor mill bullshit. But, you know, uh, one of the dudes that was working on the project to repair the dam on the river, one of the rivers here that I fish, um, that they were behind like 20 years on repairs and literally the dude comes into my welding shop because he used to work in my welding shop and now he works for like the state or game and fish and some shit and he's like you know we were talking about you know like catching gar and stuff out there and he was like yeah where are they going to drain it and I was like well what are they going to do to all those fish and they said well they're going to move the crappie and the bass and some of the catfish but all of the gar and carp, um, which included the buffalo, he said, we're literally just going to net them up, put them in a dumpster, dig a hole, and then dump them. Right? Oh, man. And, and I was like, there's no fucking way that's what they're going to do. And I don't know if that's what they did, but I can tell you, like, none of those fish in the quantity that were there before are there now. What a shame. Like, it is a shame, dude. It's, it's like, what a waste. Mm. What a waste yeah. of a resource. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's crazy, mate. It really is. It really is. I think you're right. Like, you know, like, uh, 
the management side of things, you know, if they would encourage bow hunting for, for European carp, mm-hmm. you know, that'd be great. I've, I've heard one of the Aussies you guys had on your show recently talk about this and briefly, and even the management in, in Australia, you know, the, um, in some places you can put them back. It's your choice, which I think is bullshit. Um, but in other places you got to euthanize them, you know, and that's, I think that's really good. I mean, you can't even have possession of them to eat them in some States in Australia. They take it pretty seriously. And like you, you guys mentioned, um, yeah, I think you mentioned Brian earlier, Tasmania. Like that's a, a great example of how hard those guys have worked in the management of European carp. The trout fishing down there is, is world-class. There's no two ways about it. Um, although they're an introduced species, it's a huge part of their economy. And I can respect that. It, it is what it is now. Um, the introduction of carp was looking at decimating that fishery and in turn, not only ruining an already arguably changed environment, but an, um, an economy as well. Those guys have successfully after, I think about maybe 15, 18 years, um, have, have, are confident that they've removed the final carp from a, from a particular lake. That's how long it takes to extract their species from, from a lake. And, and the way they did it, I believe is they, um, they, they switch bait them. You know, they attracted, they were, they were, I don't know, they set up like a female in a net and attracted males. And they just kept piling that net in like those dumb bastards, you know, just, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they did. I, I could be butchering that, but it's along those lines, but they got rid of them. And that's the, the point of the story is how long it takes to get rid of those, rid of those things. And when they're treated like sports fish and people that love fishing from, cause they've got nothing else there kind of sounds familiar to trout in my, my mind, particularly in Australia, um, they put them back. I've, I've, I've had arguments with friends that have ended up being pretty heated in regards to that. Um, I feel pretty, pretty kind of passionate about that, that I just don't think that um, in, uh, non, non-native fish should be given preferential treatment over, over natives. Uh, this is just, I think that at the end of the day, that's what it should boil down to. And then, then, the conversation should start from there about any viability of introduced introduced species. Um, a lot, in a lot of circumstances here, and I'm guessing any other parts around the world, that horse has already bolted um, from our forefathers and their their management style. So you know, in a lot of circumstances, it is what it is at the moment. But like I said earlier, I, I think some of the some of the old management systems are sitting ducks for modern modern ways of thinking, environmental ways of thinking, which worries me that we get we'll get stuff taken away from us. Absolutely, which would, which would be horrible. Like like you said, Brian. You know, we've we've all we've all fought for our freedom. Many countries have combined. You know, it's um, it'd be a shame. That's for sure. I just think, it, it, especially in lieu of better management, that's where it yeah. really gets really falls down. Yeah, and and the management agencies have turned into such a massive bureaucracy. You know, nobody's really running anything. But but between being afraid of being sued by. A, a, a conservation group or, you know, pseudo conservation group, we'll call them that because they don't want the management agency doing X because it goes against what they are trying to politically manipulate through, you know, gerrymandering and, and uh, handing out funds to uh, politicians. People are like, Oh, that doesn't happen. No, it does happen. It's all tracked. You know, mm. we know where, we know where organizations monies are going. I'm not going to say any of them right now, but uh, I've looked at uh, quite a few of them and I can tell you right now, that we have plenty of organizations here in the U.S. that give a lot of money to a lot of politicians, and um, that it's it's uh, political manipulation. You know, is the yeah. best way I can put it. Um, and and no country's immune from that. You know, in some countries they call it flat out corruption. 
you yep. know, they, they, yep. they, they call, you know, they call the kettle what it is, you know, and, uh, it, but there, there's also uh, a lot, a lot to do with, um, you know, the, the, these other people that just, they're like, well, we don't know what we're really doing, but you know, because it, it's what's fashionable or popular, that's what we're going to do. So if you have a bunch of people say, we're not going to buy licenses anymore because we only want to fish for trout, then, then that's basically a financial, you know, uh, extortion on, on the state. And they're like, okay, well, we'll go put these fish back. You know, you have mm. yellow perch out of control in Australia, like completely yeah, out of redfin. control. Yeah. Thing, and, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Redfins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember what you guys called them, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, it's so out of control that, I mean, you, you have to kill them because they're just, yeah. they're, they're, they're displacing native species. But that's the thing that the people don't like is because they live in an area they might be uh, introduced to fishing in the last 10 years. So, um, and just through like, you know, they've got nothing else to catch. They love fishing. I can respect that. But to put a carp back or a red fin back, you know, um, you know, there's even, there's even translocation of endemic species in Australia that, uh, you know, cause a lot of controversy amongst anglers because they're a fin, a, a, a species called a, 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 a sooty grunter, we call it. It's very probably, Probably the most similar fish we've got to a smallmouth in Australia, I would say. Um, and you know, those things are a fantastic sports fish, but they live at they've they've been translocated to a river that's got an endangered uh, version of a Murray cod, I guess it's called a Mary River cod. But it's um it's a, a subspecies and it's it's endangered, it's still endangered. Those be those those translocated fish will probably decimate that species to complete extinction in another ten years. People love catching them. I watch on social media go, no one's going to tell me to kill a sooty. Um, and then you've got people that are more conservative to the conservation or being involved with stocking groups or the re regeneration of that Mary River cod. And they're like, you should be necking all those fish, dude. Every single fish should be brain spiked, you know, but, um, but because they're natives and people like catching them, it's, it's just, it's just funny. I mean, it's, it's the unpopular opinion uh, for sure. Um, but yeah. Um, It'd be it'd be great to see social media sort of use its power in in that way for education rather than self gain you know, as mm -hmm. as far as fishing is concerned anyway. Absolutely, mm. you know, and, and it's not like like our opinions here are like hundred percent right or whatever. It's it's each of our own opinions. It but for sure, you know it. The even you know some of these fish, it's just too far gone. Like you said earlier, you know, like some of these fisheries, I should say, it's, it's too far gone that we're not going to be able to recover them. But, you know, um, like the fucking Asian carp, dude. Oh. The Asian carp are literally ruining. And, yeah. and that's like an agreed thing. Like everyone agrees on this one fish being here that shouldn't be here. And that's the Asian carp. They're literally, they're so prolific. It's an infestation. They are absolutely ruining the fisheries for every fish. Mm. And, you know, now we're trying to all take care of that. And it, I think it's a shame that we can all come together to do that, but we can't all come together to agree on like, well, maybe, maybe we should stop, you know, maybe we should uh, stop killing all these fish, you know, that belong here. And then, you know, but, you know, something I was kind of thinking about that I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, catch and release has become so mindless. It's like people have stopped thinking about what it is. They just think it's the right thing to do, specifically because of probably social media, you know, like as a trending hashtag, catch and release. 
you know, mm. I fucking, I use it myself, you know, and like keep them wet and all this other stuff. But the more I like sit here on my ass and I think about this, it's like, it's become so mindless. It's like, why are you catching and releasing? Well, I don't eat fish. Well, that's a, that's a fair enough answer, you know, I guess. And then, but you know, you ask the next guy, it's like, why do you catch and release? And they're like, oh, well, uh, then think about what <laughs> you're doing, man. You know, it's like, think about what you're doing. Mm. You know, you can, you don't always have to throw a fish back. Like if it's an invasive species, please don't throw it back. Yeah. You know, so I can get rid of it. And there's a whole lot of fish that make really good table fare that there's so many of them. You're not harming anything, keeping, uh, you know, a couple of those fish to feed your family or for lunch or to make fish tacos they yeah. have with a mm. fucking corona you know like there's there's nothing wrong with keeping fish and people it's it's so this bastardized ideal now that like you're a piece of shit if you eat fish or keep fish now and it's like that's so fucked up like yeah. catch and release has become so mindless yeah i yeah. and and yeah to to second that you know the the thing is is like there's there's certain fish that i just don't feel like you know i'll, I'll go out and fish for a day and i just don't feel like gutting fish and scaling them or filleting or something else it's just like you know yeah we have we have uh prolific smallmouth bass here and and they're you can keep all of them that you want because they're not a native species they were introduced here bucket biology that's what we call it somebody came and they're like i want to fish bass in the big river well we got lots of bass but sometimes you know i don't i don't want to keep those you know so yeah i'll throw them back but i i know other people that that hook them and they beat them and they throw them back into the river after they beat them to death and let them you know go back in to basically rot on the bottom of the river is it right or wrong well i guess that depends on your opinion uh i found that smallmouth bass are pretty damn tasty and there's a lot of people that would say oh my god you keep those bass you eat them that's not okay you're you're destroying this it's like time out number one Bass never existed in this river 6,000 years ago, okay? They've only been here for a, maybe a grand total of 80 years in my area, and they proliferated everything. Yellow perch have done the same thing. Redfin, right? They've done the same thing here. Crappie never existed in my area. Bluegill never existed in my area. Pumpkin seed, warmouth, you want to go through the list? Are they all fun fish to catch? Absolutely. I love catching them. They're so much fun, and they're easy for the kids to catch. It's a great way to catch things, but I don't want to yeah. go fuck around with a bluegill. You know, uh, the, the, what am I going to do with a fish? It's about four inches in diameter. I got to catch a hundred of them to have a dinner for four people, mm -hmm. you know, and I got to gut all the little bastards and I got to despine them and do all this other stuff. Yeah. Bluegill. I've ate them. They're good. They're really good. I've ate crappie crappies top notch table fare, uh, walleye, uh, you know, all that stuff, all, all these fish that, you know, you're, probably not familiar with but we have no, a I lot am. of them. okay yeah uh, but you know somebody says you know well what do you do when you go fishing out in the salt water we go out there to hunt and kill fish that's what we do we're not going to go spend 180 dollars in fuel to go out and play you know vanity fair with fish they're getting hauled up on the boat we're going to beat their ass to death and they're going to go back to the fish cleaning station and they're going to get filleted and they're going to get put in a vacuum seal bags and they're going to get turned into fish and chips and fish tacos and uh, you name it. We're not going to go spend, you know, we have thousands of dollars of gear, hundreds of dollars in fuel uh, running all over the goddamn ocean 
uh, we're not going out there to play catch and release with these fish. Uh, we're, we're out there. We are hunting at that point. Mm. And, and the people that are like, Oh, you just killed that beautiful rockfish. I'm telling you right now, you're never going to see me release something that is legal to keep there. We got a couple species. We can't, but when I'm offshore, everything dies. It comes in the boat. And, you know, but, you know, with that being said, though, like you're not out there hunting sport fish, you know, it's not like it's not like we're out there like, oh, I'm going to catch this fucking 80 pound fucking tarpon and I'm going to beat it over the head. No, I'm going to if I'm fortunate enough to even touch that fish, like not even just leader it, like get it up and actually hold that, that that's a hell of a moment. And I'm going to let that fish go because that fish deserves that, you know. But like rockfish and all these other really good fish that they're they're not in like it goes back to that whole there's there's healthy populations of those fish, mm-hmm. you know and that's mm. that's what it's about man it's like management and it comes down like if if your agencies aren't going to manage it properly I'm not telling you to be a fucking vigilante and do stupid shit right that's not what mm. I'm saying I'm just saying be mindful of what you're doing yeah 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 absolutely I think. Um... I think sometimes the most ethical approach is to keep the fish, you know, really, if you want to look at play it that way, at the end of the day, fishing's a blood sport. We're aware of it. We, we enter into that agreement when we, when we take it on, there's no way everyone's going to agree to it. That's for sure. You know, but um, yeah. yeah, at least, at least with the there's Asian carp, they make good TikTok videos, right? Like uh, they're the yeah. ones that jump out and hit people in the face. Yeah. Right? Those ones. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fucking entertaining. Sometimes you must admit, huh? <laughs> they take yeah. them all out. You know, yeah, it's, nah, it's definitely kidding. entertaining, but holy shit, dude. <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hey guys, no, oh, it sounds like it sounds like the struggle's real in the whole world, really. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Places like Germany, it's, you can't even you can't even do catch and release, from what I hear. Wow. You know, like they they it's just I mean I would imagine that the fisheries that pressured that it's or either that or it's um or it's an ethics or whatever I don't know, but um yeah. It got taken away from them. Uh, I, I've heard I've heard the same thing happen in Nova Scotia, right? They don't call it catch and release now in, in over there. They they call it um, selective harvesting instead of catch and release for the same reason because it was almost taken off them. Do you guys know about that? No. We will have to ask our friend that lives in Nova Scotia about that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm we we hear about it here. It's a, a case study, if you like, for people. Um, being aware of how they act as far as catch and release is concerned you know there's just people that just are fucking karens everywhere just you know doing what what you said brian you know like uh, calling you out for something they don't they don't understand you know yeah um but anyway so it's uh yeah we've got it now anyway so well guys we're uh we're over our hour i'm i'm happy to have it over the hour because i think we just spent some good time really hashing out some serious uh issues in conservation and uh you know uh some some things that i think people need to be aware of uh, honestly um you know but i was just gonna sorry i didn't mean to cut you off dude um this since i fucking did like a jackass i'm gonna go ahead and say it's just it's refreshing and also dismal at the same time a little bit i guess to know that you're having the same fucking struggles over there dude like like you said it's world it's worldwide so yeah but, uh, yeah damn but it, you know yeah. at, the same time, <laughs> at the same time it's it's nice to know that there's like-minded folks that appreciate 
more than just the fish, but understand the fisheries and all that. So SA is pretty fucking, pretty fucking sick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's not all doom and gloom. I'm sure it's not doom and gloom over there for you guys either, but yeah, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be part of the conversation really at the end of the day. Uh, it's, it's up to like, there's, there's, I, I'm sorry, Brian, I know you want to go, but uh, there's, there's people conspiring against us, you know, and it's just apathy that's going to have it taken away. You know, it's uh, the commercial fishing sector, like, is, is so organised. The the green, the conservationists are so organised. And we just like to drink beer and um, catch fish. And that's what will get taken away from us if we don't play, make a part of the conversation, in yeah. my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Well, I did, Chris, I did not know we were going to talk that way in this show. No, that's okay. <laughs> I think it's good, though, because I do think that a lot of people uh, – and I'll, I'll, I'll say this uh, in, in the best way I can. I think a lot of people think that people that uh, are influenced by Europe tend to have just a general hatred of anything that, that uh, has to do with hunting or fishing or anything else, which we know that there's plenty of people in Europe that love to fish. They love to catch and release. They love to catch and keep. They wish they had what we had, you know, they wish they had the Australia. They wish they had the United States or the Canada or, you know, places in South America that, you know, where there was these fisheries and they just simply don't. Mm. And, and my, my concern there is, is that as generations go on, they're just going to lose that, that that uh that part of their culture yeah i agree it, it's that's, really sad yeah i agree man that would be sad that's for sure so chris we uh i i hate to wrap it up like this but where can people find you where where's the best place to get in touch with you and where can people find you all right so beast brushes um both on instagram and uh, facebook i don't have twitter um Ammo flies, if they want to see some of the flies have tied, um, particularly some of the originals, like you mentioned, the slow water. And, and some of those flies are way more popular in, in the United States than they are in Australia. You know, it's, it's, um, it's great. My deer hair cicada, things like that. Um, anyway, you can go and have a look at that. Um, that's on Ammo flies, Facebook, uh, Instagram as well. But also the Intermediate Line podcast. Um, I'm sure if, um, if we can have a conversation that flows this well and your listeners enjoy this, They'll probably enjoy us with our stupid Australian accents as well. <laughs> we got people from all over the world coming on like you guys as well. So it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Intermediate Line is on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Also, we're not on Spotify because we rip people's music off. And um, yeah, we got to get around that too. <laughs> Spotify won't let us have it on if we play Slayer, unfortunately. Damn it. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Stiff, huh? <laughs> yeah, we need we need some uh, rain and blood going. So you know, uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, cool guys. Look, it's been great, and I really appreciate you having me on. And I'm glad we um we got around to it. And um, yeah, love to have you guys on. We should do a um a uh, a collab um and record you guys for our show as well one day. Eh? We'd no, love it. F- fucking love to. <laughs> mm. Do I, do I get do I get a pass to use the c word? Yeah, fucking nice. Let's let's see let's see how you go, mate. I'll coach you through it if you like. All right, all right. So me, 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 me. Do, do I have to say fucking in front of it, or is it just? Yeah, is it, so is it, you can. So can, you can, can we it. just do? Can we do it like Charlie Bronson style? It it depends on the context that you want to throw it at. You know, like if you want to show it in, in an endearing way, like you go as a good cunt. You know, that'd be um that'd be the guy. 
that's how we use it in, in Australia. Um, you know, but if, but I mean, like, you know, you could say the greenies are dumb cunts, you know, if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but, but it's all the intention. It. I tried I tried coaching Chad Bauer through it. He gave it a crack, but you could tell he was pretty hesitant with it and it sounded sounded ugly, you know, a little bit. I, I hope Chad's listening and he might be working on his cunt game there a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, give it give it give it a crack, John. Like I'll I'll, I'll coach you through it, mate. Yeah, so uh you guys are good cunts. Or is, is it yeah, just it was pretty like, good, mate? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, it needs practice. It's yeah, that really was shit nice better than Chad. What's that? Sorry. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Sorry. I didn't say oh, anything. I, no, oh, no. I thought yeah. I missed what he said. It's all good. That <laughs> no, was good, man. You did well. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, everybody. You can find Chris at all of the aforementioned places, and he will definitely uh, make sure to uh, give you the, the the best service that he possibly can. And uh, he's definitely somebody that you'd want to talk to about those saltwater flies and all the good stuff. Um, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you being here. This has been a great conversation. Uh, my pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been good. Yeah, dude, It's it's been you know <clears throat> sorry um uh I, I don't know if i'm just teary-eyed or if i'm thirsty as fuck right now but uh um i, I just, See, I just the effective this... word has some people yeah no dude it's just it's just so overwhelming you know but uh but chris for real dude it's been it's been fucking awesome i didn't i did not expect the podcast to go like this at all but i really yeah. enjoyed i thoroughly enjoyed the conversation dude oh well we can take it another direction if you guys want to do it again one time. But, um, I've enjoyed myself. I'll do it anytime you guys want, if you can. Yeah, You guys got a pretty, pretty bulk list on at the moment. So maybe sometime in 2025, by the time you guys have got space <laughs> for me again. <laughs> I think I think we'll always have room for Chris Adams. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, John, you want to roll those sponsors? Yeah, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast if you made it this far. Next time, we're going to have a lesson on how to say the word cunt. And this episode nice. of Working Class Fishing is brought to you by CD Fishing USA, Anadromous Fly Company, Angry Rooster Fly Company, Mr. Shearcure and Naughty Tackle, Lid Rig, and 317 Flies. Make sure to go check out all those sponsors once again. And you can find us at Working Class Fishing Podcast on Instagram, WC Fish over on Facebook or at our Facebook page, Working Class Fishing Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. If you're a listener, uh, you'll look at us uh, uh, or look us up under Working Class Fishing Podcast. And if you're a viewer on YouTube and you want to listen to us on your morning commute, you can find us over on Spotify or Apple or Google or any pretty much anywhere. Uh, so you can find us on any one of those listening platforms. Uh, and if you want to talk to us or you have anything, uh, comments, or you want to get in touch with one of our guests, make sure to email us at workingclassfish at gmail.com. But until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you have a wonderful day. <laughs>